So, um, hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Honor About Nothing Transfer Special. So, we are back to the regular two-man routine, but I have uh, Bolish is here with me. Bolish, thank you so much for taking time out of the video schedule to be here this night. Yeah, um, glad to, I'm glad to be here. So many things happening, so many things to discuss. Uh, Francis will be exciting. Yeah, it does. And the thing is, the past two episodes, we've talked about Barcelona and... So honestly, I feel like if you don't want to talk about Barcelona, it's almost impossible in the transfer, especially in the transfer market, this, this transfer market. Because one way or another, they, always, they are always in the headlines. So this, last week, they confirmed the signings of Robert Lewandowski and Rafinha. For many, for those who might, who might not have known, both signings have been of, are official now. And we've talked about what Lewandowski can bring to the team on the pitch and to the club of the pitch and also to Rafia. So I don't really want to talk about that now. The thing, uh, but the thing here is that for the past few weeks, people have been like, oh yes, oh yeah, but the Barcelona have the money, so, so, and so, and so. And frankly, there's a lot of mystery towards, yeah, towards Barcelona's financial situation. So if you could explain to us how Barcelona are able to actually make signs. Like... So, uh, to break it down, there are so many things involved, but the long and short of what is going on in, now is that the what Barcelona has done is the first thing they did. So the, the first thing they did was to expand the debt. So normally they had about 593 million short-term uh, debts to pay, which would have been impossible to pay up because of the financial situation in terms of revenue for the club that dwindled from 2020 to 2021. So what they did was they spread that uh, 590 million over 10 years. So instead of paying that short-term loan at once, they'll be paying it uh, at average of, I think, 44 million per year for 10 years. Okay. So that's that's the first thing they did. So immediately that reduced the burden that the current administration had to pay immediately. Then the second thing they did was from last uh, from last summer, not um, you know allowing Messi to come back was one of the things they did because our wage bill was I think at our, our wage cap was at around minus one sixty three million, so we had to come down because the way La Liga does it is you know your revenue, your transfer in minus your expenses that's what determines your wage cap. So by the time they did that estimation, as at 2020, 2021, we we're at minus one sixty three. So we needed to reduce wages. Between that period and this summer we're having right now, Coutinho's wage is no longer on our books. And mind you, Batomi was giving out wages as if, you know, he was a, a Nigerian politician trying to win an election. So it was just splashing. <laughs> so Coutinho's wage is no longer on our books. Greece is no longer, wage is no longer on our books. Uh, Messi, obviously, he left also. And then we had situations whereby people like Dembele, for example, his new contract is at a 40% discounted um, a wage cut. Yeah, uh, then well. Busquets, PK, and uh, what's the name? Jordi Alba already took pay cuts last year. Uh, who else? And then the core, the main core of our team right now, that's the young guys, Gavi, Pedri, Fati, Araugo. They are all earning between three, four, five million you know, euros per year, which is a moderately serviceable wage. 
So that's the first thing. The only person that's earning like outrageous amount is the young. So to an extent, we've been able to cut down the wage bill. So bringing new, new new players is not going to be as difficult as it will have been as it was in January, for example, where Ferran Torres was literally waiting on the sideline. No, we're not sure how they're going to reach time until they negotiated those wage cuts. Then the next thing they did, which is like what directly answers the question of how we're able to pay about, I think a total of about 120 million currently in transfer fees is uh, selling 10% of the rights, of our TV rights for the next 10, 15 years. I think 15 years, yeah. But the difference between this one, why, and that's why, you know, when I see people throwing tantrums online, I, I just know that is they have half peak information. The difference between this one and the CVC deal that La Liga was proposing, La Liga was saying we should sell 8% for 50 years. The difference is that La Liga's deal, you cannot buy back your rights. So once you sign that 8% for 50 years, and maybe they pay you 600 million, for example, we all know that the world of football, the funds, the money, the deals continue to increase. So let's say 20 years down the line, that agreement you had in 2022 or 2021 is no longer favorable in terms of terms and conditions. Maybe you are now earning way much more from, you can earn way much more from other deals. You can't renegotiate because it's a done deal, like it's a sealed deal. But this one we sold to Sixth Street is a deal in such a way that there are conditions in that deal that allows us to buy back our rights when we are financially capable of buying back our rights. And people forget that before the pandemic, year on year, Barcelona has the highest revenue from stadium attendance. We have a 90,000 capacity stadium that is even about to be expanded. Do that one. I don't even want to talk about that project because I don't think it's something we're going into now. But we have a 90,000 capacity stadium that earns us about 162 million every year, highest in Europe. And total revenue we actually gain every year is 500 and something million. Now, the reason why it is important and why someone like Laputa even though he's trying to clean up our finances, he's trying to merge a combination of, oh, we have uh, Fati, we have Pedri, but bring in Rafinha and uh, Lewandowski is that. Our, we don't have like a Abramovich that can forgive 1.3 billion. We don't have like a, an owner that can do that. Our method of revenue is reliant on us being successful and being pretty as a brand. You know, that exciting brand of football, being winning, even if you don't win Champions League, being competitive, getting to the semi-final. You know, there was a time you know, we were getting to the semi-final almost eight years, seven years. Some people say, ah, but, you are, uh, but Bayern is flogging you 8-0. But you are consistent. So brands can rely on you that, okay, this team is going to get to this level of competition and showcase whatever it is we want them to showcase. Oh, we want to place an advert in their stadium. We know that they will be available to showcase this, our brand, till the semi-finals of the Champions League. So those, those are things that matter when you are negotiating and discussing with brands that want to sponsor you, and which is our main way of getting, you know, um, revenue. So that's why it's important that as much as we are trying to rebuild and clean up the finances, and they are doing it in a smart way. Yes, it does not look pretty, and there are, there are some things that are dodgy. I don't even like. There are some things that they are proposing that are dodgy because obviously all these people they are capitalist men, you know, they are businessmen. They are, they 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 thrive on doing shady things. So I won't lie and say like obviously Laputa is doing his thing, but. The truth is, for the club at this moment, this is a risky proposition, but it's kind of like the best bet we can rely on if we are looking to say in 10, 5 to 10 years, 
recover from oh coming back from 1.2 billion in debt to let's say the average 400 million in debt that most clubs are in that is serviceable debt. So that is what has happened. So we first of all split our debt, the short-term debt over a long time. So we are not paying heavily. Then we sold 10% of our rights, you know, to six streets. And there's a rumor, there's or there's discussion that we might still sell another 50% for over 20 years to another company. But the difference is those rights, we can buy them back when we are financially capable of buying them back. So that's how Barcelona has been able to afford to pay, you know, the transfers. Then I think one other thing that we know that we have to sell someone and the easiest people to sell will probably be the Pedro, uh, Pedri Gavi because there's enough market for them. There's attraction. There's everything for them. <laughs> but the truth is, in the system that Xavi has been playing, the jungle has been like a luxury. Because I don't know for some reason that deep line playmaker role that plays, that Pelo plays, that he plays in Ajax, Ajax, is not really our style. So he's not, he's having to adapt to a different style of midfield. Yes, he can do it. Yes, he's very effective. Yes, I love him in our midfield. But the wages that he's about to end, because what happened is in the in the young contract, there is a um bonus that's supposed to kick in as loyalty for choosing Barcelona over PSG. Those are the kind of things Bartomeu agreed. Now, there is also the 17 million that is being owed that has automatically been shared over the next four years. That okay, four, four million and what have you, that will be added to the salaries for the next four years. And apart from that, to just give you an idea, his salary for, I think, this coming season is going to be about 17 or 18 million, thereabouts. In the next following year, it's going to be about 23 million. And Lewandowski agreed to collect about 9 million, which is just imagine comparatively lower than you know what he could have gotten elsewhere. Fatty is on about 6 million, Araugo is on about 5 million. So most of the average median salary that they've done and they've reduced is about five, six, seven, except for the top guys earning nine, that kind of thing. So that's why it looks like yeah, when you see the news, they say. Barcelona is interested in selling the Mele, yes, uh, in selling the young. Yes, they are interested because you know they get they can get quality money, 80 million that will go into the coppers, and then they can take they can shred off that uh huge wage bill from the wage they have to pay. Yeah, and um the I think the the, the young sends me to my next part because Ultimately, the young is at this point is is the most marketable asset Barcelona can afford to let go. But I'm not just talking like I'm not even going to just talk just the young and all of that. I'm talking on the pitch as a tactical fit of the pitch, financial issues and the whole area of squad. Which are the other players you feel Barcelona should leave Barcelona, and which players do you think will will leave Barcelona this season? So I, I see someone like Memphis Depay attracting a 20 million, you know, 25 million transfer fee if they get if they get the right opportunity for him, you know. Uh Tottenham just lost Bergwin, you know. He can be someone that, you know, can play in that squad. So I think I see someone like Depay can raise funds, you know, for this for for the team. He, that's that we can afford to let go and that will also raise sizable you know, um, income for the team. So Memphis Depay is one person that I'm thinking would probably leave before the uh, market is closed. Then, 
if the pie leave, then maybe Brentford might not leave. But I think it's a is a one on is a one way both sides. So if the pie is guaranteed to guaranteed to stay, they might ship Brentford, but it will not generate as much income as you know would would necessarily because it's obvious Javi, Javi doesn't trust Brentford. He barely used him throughout last season. But you know, yeah, and he has gone alone to PSV already. Oh, I didn't, I didn't. That, that must have been this evening because as at this morning when I was going through our list, I still saw him, you know, hanging around somewhere. Oh, so, so that means <laughs> that, that they're clearing the books already. So, the, I think the pie might still live because you know there's abundance of option options up front. We have Dembele, Fati, Ferran Torres, Rafinha. Lewandowski or Bemayan. So I think they can afford to let Memphis Depay go. Then I think in terms of, I think it's just getting the wage, you know, off our roster. I think Umtiti has to leave one way or the other. I think he has to leave. Then Pianic is back. You know, Pianic is back. You know, he's with the, I think he's with the team in the US. I don't, I, I probably need to confirm if I say something and uh, confirm that he has left already. So I think he also needs to leave because his his um his his wage is also one of those you know any wage that was agreed before Batumi just go and check it out Batumi was smoking uh <laughs> when he was handling Barcelona so his wage is just you know outrageous like that so he needs to he needs to leave also so those, those are probably the two guys that are off the top of my head because the truth is we've really let a lot of people go they've really tried to clean books as much as they can. That's why I see when people saying throwing traps. I say, you guys are not seeing what's going on. It's not as if maybe they could not have say they want to keep Griezmann continue. But they are letting those people go because imagine how much they let continue go for twenty million. Someone designed for one hundred and forty million. So they are clearing of the books because of the wages. So continue has left this summer. Griezmann went back to Atletico. So the pie, I think the pie can leave and probably uh, if we are able to clear with City. And maybe the second choice goalkeeper who never keeps and who is a bit unhappy in the squad, Neto. So that's someone else because they have some academic guys that are knocking on the door, like the, the current goalkeeper of Galatasaray. You know, he's an academic guy that went there and he really impressed there. So they're looking to promote him to the first team. Yeah, and it's interesting because the reports came last week that Neto, Umtiti, Britwit, and even Ricky Fuji are not seen to be part of Javi's plans and Mutiti was pretty much on his way out last week then he failed the medical at around and I think it speaks to his career at Barcelona the past three years or four years because injury injury has blighted it he can't he can't he can't get to play games start games he can't it's not a viable asset anymore so at this point he's in a sort of limbo which and it's going to be interesting to see if a club if another club eventually decides to take a punt on him but moving on from Barcelona to the Premier League, and Chelsea are finally doing some business. I look like some proper business. Last week we talked about Raheem Sterling getting the potential signing from Man City and what that will mean for the club. And that signing has been confirmed now, and is a, is a, an extra figure to attack. Basically, uh, it fills the it fills the gap not in not in terms of fit, but in terms of numbers that Lukaku. Left the fuse that gap. I think, but I think the biggest signing is Kulibali. Even though it's only five year contract, means by the time his contract ends, it might be 36. But what do you think 
Kulibali will bring to that Chelsea defense, especially the defense that lost Christensen and Rudiger already. So I think um, losing Rudiger was the most important part because he was he was one of their most. Uh, I think he was probably their best defender last season. You know, so losing him was always going to be a difficult uh, one to replace. But Kulibali has shown that he has the ability, you know, ball playing ability, clearance, uh, reading of the game to step in and you know cushion the effect of um, losing uh, Rudiger. So. It's a very, very good signing. And I, I was shocked that Napoli eventually caved in, considering how, how long, you know, a lot of teams have been trying to get Koulibaly from them. And uh, it's a good one for Chelsea because he has the size, you know, the proper Premier League size. You know, he has the physique. You can see someone that is battle-tested. So it's not like you're getting someone that, you know, you have to, you're not sure of what you're, 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 you're signing, signing on for. So it's a really good signing, and then with the presence of someone like uh, Silva, two of them, at least someone like Chaloba can can you know, I like when you know young defenders have um, veterans like that to, to monitor and learn from. They really have you know something they hold on to in Chaloba because he shows flashes of you know oh I can be a solid defender I can be this but, but you now want to see okay if you play with these veterans over time. Because obviously, with this squad, you get opportunities because there are five substitutions. Obviously, Thiago Silva has been injury-prone prone for a while, you know. So, there's a chance that you get to play. So, I, 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 I'm, that's what I'm more interested in. I know Thiago Silva and Kulibali as they're appearing top-notch, but will they be fit together enough for the team? If they're both fit, then Chelsea is going to have one of the, you know, sickest defense, considering what they have on their left and right back. Yeah, and you said something about robots being physically fit and up for the challenge, as regards Kulibali. There's a sense that there's an opposite of that for United and signing Lissandro Martinez. Stafford has been, that was confirmed recently, I think a day, or, a day ago or so, from Ajax. And once, as as... Martinez are joined now. It has become the shortest pre- pre- defender in the Premier League, and and we know the Premier League is famous for being incredibly physical, and being like it's basically strikers will target you if you find if you have a weakness. So how does this factor into into United style and Ten Hag's plan, getting a defender of that height, or rather the lack of, uh, that lack of height to the team? So I think. Where, where, where I want to address it from is that sometimes some managers can be enemies of themselves. And we've seen it in the past where you see a particular manager who put up a first, first 11 and you're wondering, guy, everyone, both adults, both young star, both old people knows that this particular player should not be starting this game, this particular game. But some managers will be so adamant, you know, all of them, Pep, Mourinho, all of them, they have that problem. And then that player gets exposed in that game, cost them the game. And everyone from the onset, even with that, we are not like experts, could tell from the beginning of the game that this guy should not have started this game. You have cases like that. I think this is one of those cases because except you are going to play him as a left back or a left wing back, which I know he can play if deployed there. As a centre back in the Premier League, it's almost like you are you are you are calling for trouble. 
considering that you have you already have a Maguire that has lost confidence and it's almost like a joke of like people literally do the things that they do in training when they see Maguire, that's when they attempt those things, you know. <laughs> things that normally you are supposed to reserve for training ground. When when players see Maguire, they start trying, you know, there's some things that you try on the training ground, there's some things you try during you know full real match. But players, when they see Maguire, is the things for training ground that they start trying. And they've been getting away with it, you know, where he's kicking his own player, he's sliding. So you, when you are going to pair him with anyone, it has to be, yes, Varane, Varane signing will have been perfect if he was fit and available most of the time. But the problem is Varane, even in Real Madrid, was always injury prone. So if you are bringing in someone, even if it was going to be a veteran, you have, you have to bring someone with a, like a, a commanding figure who can like sort of orchestrate the attack. Because to be honest, I don't trust Maguire. I don't trust Maguire, and he has shown us that he cannot be trusted with coordinating the attack, the, the defense. Sorry. So, and that's where teams like uh, Liverpool and uh, say, for example, say Southampton, say um, City, that have not just the manager at the end of affairs, that have like a proper channel uh, chain of command with uh, chief director, with uh, sporting director that reports to the chairman that everyone comes together, sits down and analyzes the players. You know, it's not just, oh, eh, this player, I like him. Then, okay, if you're not like him, what? Pep learned at some point that, ah, as much as I want to play my style, I have to get Kyle Walker, a fiscal guy. I have to get a strong fiscal. Yes, like Martinez is fiscal, but is he big enough? So I I I think um if you are going to ask me I think it's probably one of those you know signings that I might be wrong, but probably some one of those players that a lot of United fans will probably swear for. I can imagine LMJ, you know, cussing <laughs> out, cussing <laughs> <laughs> out, but it just it just it just screams that this is probably what is going to happen. Yes, there are so many signs pointing towards that direction. Yeah, and the issue is that I feel like if if it goes wrong, it won't even be his fault because he didn't act short. It didn't because if if an offer comes from United, you probably say yes. So now he's been trusted to a situation whereby he has to do a lot. And the biggest problem for me is that United still don't have defensive midfield security. So the moment you get the ball from the midfield, you cannot run at the defense, and that is it. That is I mean, like that's another serious. If you had a Rodri. In the midfield, who was who are the heights? Who are the shielding of the okay? Yeah, yes, bringing Sadio Martinez. That last year, we knew one of their problems was that they, they had, there was no shield for the defense. You know, who was the DM? And everyone, plus their mom, plus their dad, plus their auntie, was shouting throughout the season that, oh, we need a DM, we need a DM. I know they are banking on getting Frankie the Young, but still. Frank De Jong will still need like a four to you know to 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 pair him in that defense because except you want to be pairing Frank De Jong with uh, Fred or who else is in that midfield? McTominay. Oh, maybe McTominay, but McTominay has has not really well. Maybe under a new manager, you can never see you know these things change. Players uh, pick up um, their, their pace and stuff under new managers, so you can never see, but. But I just know that Martinez, because if it was a defense that already had the stalwart and organized defense, 
that probably play three at the back, like a Conte defense, you know, that you know that, okay, you already have like a structure to it and you just need the guy to come and plug in and then be doing, doing dirty work on the wings and then clearing ball front. <laughs> we understand. The guy's a good defender, but I just feel like the Premiership game, imagine him trying to defend the corner kick against uh, Alan. Yeah? Let's see how that goes. Yeah, we're definitely going to see how that goes. And as as you said, if it goes wrong, we also have we also witness whatever element it does, however element yeah, it reacts to it, which is definitely yeah, going to be interesting as well. Yeah, and finally, before we go, I think we should just wrap up on um, Paulo Dybala. Last week, you said it now that as the transfer window keeps going, the balance, the balance stone will change from I want to play Champions League to I beg anybody, just come. And now... <laughs> he, has, he has basically set. I, I don't know. He has joined AS Roma, but do you think he has settled for Roma, or this was this is this is something of an ambitious move, or a move to reignite his career? Because he has not really for the past few years. I've been to see has he has gone downhill a bit. So that's why I like. There's cause and effect. You play well, you perform, you get a big contract. You play well, you perform. You are extended. You don't perform, it becomes difficult for you to get a big contract. Uh, uh, case in point, if Dembele had played out of the five years, let's say he, he played three years, you know, quality football, 20 goals, 10 assists, something like that, then maybe a year to his other yard injury. It would have been a different ball game this summer when he needed to extend because PSG, Chelsea and the likes, they will have enough sample size to estimate and analyze that, okay, this guy, yes, okay, he was injured last year, but we know that three years in this team, you know, he was part of the team and whatnot, this is what he did, this is what he achieved. But you cannot, you cannot be part of his team for five years and then the number of games you have played is less than probably an average of 20 games, it's less than 15 games per season or 20 games per season. Or you know about stats, for example. A, so you can't do, you can't have that kind of return on investment after the team spent on 30 million on you and expect to get a big pay from someone else. So the balance, yes, whether it's trying to, whether it's settling down, it's yet to be seen because we, we, we expect that he will be able to contribute more to Roma and then see what Mourinho can do with Roma, probably finishing higher this season than they finished in the league, you know. Instead of uh, you know uh, finishing out of um, Champions League, see if they can go higher. But the truth is, this is this is the kind of you know I, the kind of offer I was hoping I was thinking we were going to get. You know, Roma. You know, uh, Everton. Seems like this that are trying. To, no, it's the truth. It's the truth. Teams that are trying to see if they can sneak their way into you know Champions League qualification. Teams that see that are thinking of oh eh, maybe. If he's lucky, he, you know, Sevilla, that, those kind of things that are the things that I think can go for him because they can take that risk that, okay, if they are lucky and it pans out, they, are, they struggle. But big teams that are trying to, that who's target, you know, there are things that at the beginning of the season, regardless of what is on in their squad, the target is win the league, win Champions yeah. League. Fine, they might not win, but things like that, for example, Juventus, even though we don't, you might not believe in their squad's ability to win the Champions League, the target for next season is to win the league and win the Champions League. So teams like that, they will not be able to take that risk. So I think this is 
probably appropriate. And then if there's someone that can stoke the fire of, ah, they are underrating you, you need to show them. I think he's, he's in a perfect uh, place where he's, he's look at what Tammy Abraham, you know, did last season. So he, I think he, that he will probably play well because Morio tends to give some of his attackers freedom at some point. He's the midfielders and defenders that need to, you know, work like slaves. So probably would uh, enjoy playing under Morio. Yeah, we, that would definitely be another thing that would be interesting to look at for. And hopefully, he stays fit because by the time he starts having fitness issues or performance and sharpness issues, we know how easy it is for Mourinho to turn on you because he does not, he does not have the time. Just ask Luxon and the likes. So, I'm afraid that's all we have time for. No, this. before we go, just um, for like two minutes, there are two things I, I want you to quickly touch on. So, the first one is um, I'm looking at. This, um, the rumors and discussions around Cristiano Ronaldo and you know his request to leave the club and his you know request to stay. I just want like your two cents. Where's, where's your head in terms of what should Ronaldo do or what should Man United do about Ronaldo? Yeah, I feel like to an extent, I'm trying to think maybe Ronaldo has burned his bridges at United because today now his agent came out and like, yes, immediately United not qualified generously. We said he said he was not doing so, he just waited a little bit. And now it feels like his agent himself is the one and his PR team are the one drumming up these transfer links and rumors. Because every team they say get links with the teams comes out to the night. Even the ones in Saudi Arabia, like we know one to uh name no day yet. So and I don't think he can just go back to I think if he probably goes back to United, I think the fans will accept him because of his status there. But ultimately Ronaldo is an ambitious player. He wants to play in the Champions League. And I'm sure there's an, a, somewhere in the back of my mind going, ah, he must be bad, bad Champions League record. You know, I don't want to, because you know the kind of player yeah. personality he is. So, and, but the issue now is there are no clubs looking for him. That is the big problem. Even if there are clubs, no one wants to pay his wages. Because he's collecting over a million euros a week. No one else can afford that. The other clubs that afford that don't want him. PSG are no longer making no longer seem like they are making those extravagant signs anymore. So I feel like perhaps he's stuck at United for now. But let's say he's willing to reduce his um, you know, wage. Which team do you, would you think would be the perfect rebound for him? You know, in terms of com- um, it, perfect thing for him, perhaps he's maybe only Bayern Munich because they need probably in their focal points since Lewandowski. Okay, okay. Or Ironically, enough, perhaps even going back to Juventus. That's oh, okay. because at this point they don't think there's any other club that look. Because even tactically, there's no. It does not fit in anywhere else. Because Man City cannot get. What about um, Atletico Madrid? Yeah, it probably fits for Atletico Madrid, but I think Atletico Madrid have too many players that have been stagnant in terms of off the ball issues. That's why that's one reason why they let Suarez go. That's the reason why I'm considering Griezmann. And also, even if Ronaldo agrees to take a lot, which is a lot lesser wages than it does now, Atletico Madrid are also in trouble, probably in bigger trouble than Barcelona as well. So let's not even forget that. So I don't think <laughs> they're going to welcome Ronaldo go, yes, take this amount of money. Because the signings they are making nice, they are free. the only sign they've made nice visually free, and it's 32. So they have to give him low wages. They cannot afford to pay Ronaldo even half of what he was going to collect earlier. So I don't think that would work. 
Okay. Yeah, it seems like yeah. So it seems like to the, end. the greater, the greatest, um, the man they said uh, giving seven logs of wood and qualifying in Champions League. Seems next season <laughs> he's, going to, he's going to Kazakhstan and he's going to. It's going to all go. You can play. You can run for faith. You can be faith to catch up with him. If you like, you should deny. You should look for transfer requests. He will still play that Europa. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, uh, brother, that's all we have time for t- t- tonight. Nobody, thank you so much for joining me on this one. Hopefully, we'll be back again next week. Yeah, with more news, and then thanks you guys for staying with us. Have a lovely evening. Yeah. Cheers, everyone.